At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe, and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world. We are in our new series, completely new, called The Essentials, Why Truth Matters. And we're going to be looking at why truth matters. Um, The question we have is, what is truth? What actually is truth? When we look at the word truth, when we look at what is truth in this world? I think a lot of people today in our culture, in our world, are asking the question, what is truth? Like, what? there's so many different things out there that are telling us this is true, or this is true, or that's true. And so we ask the question of, what is truth? It seems like at some point or another, everyone asks that question. And the problem is, everyone seems to have their own version of truth, Right? Doesn't matter who you are, everyone has their own version of truth. In fact, we're in a culture and society that invites us to live our own truth, to make it up, to just live how you want, live your own truth. The concept of authentic individualism shouts the the secular creed, to thine own self be true. So we create our own curated version of truth. We create what we think we feel or what we want truth to be. Not only that, we live in an age of disinformation, right? There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of misinformation that isn't true. But then on the other side of it, there's a lot of disinformation, right? It's not just lies that are out there, but attacks against truth itself. We know that Satan literally wants to deceive us, right? And he'll do it in any way that he can. And so there's a lot of disinformation, things that are trying to deceive you. I don't know about you, but I used to play this game um, when I was younger in youth group. We'd be driving in the bus to camp or wherever we were going, and we used to play this game called Two Truths and a Lie. Anybody play that? Come on, oldies, let's go. Two Truths and a Lie, right? So the, the, the concept is you give someone two truths about yourself and a lie, and you try to deceive them and try to make them guess which one is the lie. And the great thing is, is you, you tell them something that's so far out there that's a truth about you that you come up with that one thing that you, nobody's going to believe, right? And then that's the one that you want to put in there to try and deceive them because they're like, there's no way that that's way too hard. That's way too complex. There's no way that's the truth. So then they guess that, right? A lot of times in life, that's the same thing. See, with everyone having their own truth and the world full of information, misinformation, and even disinformation, it can seem pretty hard to tell the difference between fact or fiction, right? So how do we, how do we know what is true? How do we actually look at it and say, that's true? The other question is, is does it even matter? Does it actually matter what is true and how do we live in light of the truth itself? Today, as I said, we're starting a new series called Essentials. 
Why Truth Matters. And we want to answer the question of what are the essential teachings of Christianity? Laying down and identifying the essential truths or or the basic doctrines of the Christian faith. And to do that, we're going to be affirming a creed. It's one of the oldest affirmed creeds of the Christian truth, the Apostles' Creed. And, and you probably have, uh, most of your bulletins have, had a bookmark in there that you can look at, you can have, uh, that has the Apostles' Creed on it. And this creed was used to identify and state the most essential points of the Christian doctrine. It professes that Christians believe about, uh, professes what Christians believe about the person and work of God. In God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When we look at this creed, it probably wasn't written by the apostles themselves, but it was used in the early church as a discipleship guide. As a discipleship guide for new converts or new Christians in the faith. And this creed provided a rule of faith against false teaching. It provided a framework to guide churches and affirm new Christians in the truth. So essentially, it was this guide that helped new Christians understand how to believe. So in this series, uh, we're going to go to work against this disinformation of our culture and what many say that we should believe by affirming what God's, God's Word says. Um, so to start, we begin this first line of the Apostles' Creed, really the, the first phrase which that says, I believe in God. This simple little phrase that I believe in God that we're going to look at today. It seems pretty easy, right? The truth is, is that there was a recent poll that was taken that uh, 80% of Americans, when they were asked, do you believe in God, would say yes. 80% of Americans would believe or say that they believe in God. Now, what's alarming about that is that in the last two generations, that number has gone down 17%. That's concerning, right? That in our culture, in the last two generations, 17% of, that, of those people have said, I don't believe in God now. See, the disinformation campaign against God has taken ground and it's waging war, it says. It's waging war by saying God isn't as relevant or necessary as you actually think. But the truth is, is that the scripture speaks differently about that. And we know that they call us to believe in God. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you got your Bibles or your tablets or whatever, you can turn there. It'll be on the screen. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1, as we start to explore this. That believing in God is essential to possessing truth. Believing in God is essential to possessing truth. The Apostles' Creed begins by saying, I believe in God. So it's important that we understand what it means to believe and why is it essential. What's essential about it? Why is it essential to believe in God? The first thing that we see is that belief in God is how we draw near to Him. If we look at verse 1, it says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Then we skip down to 6, verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the first thing we see is that belief in God is essential, right? It's essential because believing in God or having faith in God is how we actually get closer to him. 
It's actually how we draw near to God by believing in him. We actually have to believe that he exists, right? See, there's an actual reason for, for our hope as Christians because of the promises of God's word, right? If we look in 1 Peter 1.3, it tells us this, that we have been born again of a living hope. See, it's essential as a Christian, and our hope depends on the degree of our faith. The more we actually have faith, the more we will have hope. What what does that hope look like? I don't know about you, but as a child, I can remember many Christmases, I would sit and I would hope with all my might that my parents would get me that thing that I wanted. I would hope that, that on Christmas morning to be under the tree and that I'd actually be, open, be able to open it, whether, whether it was a Nintendo or a shotgun or, or, you know, all these things. Or, man, one year I wanted a, a black stallion, right? I was little. I wanted a black stallion, and, and, and my hope was that I would get this black stallion. I, I got a Shetland pony. But it was black. But we hope for that, Right? It's, it's not that hope, though, that he's talking about here. It's not, that's not the kind of hope that, that we're talking about. It's a hope of assurance or certainty that is definitely going to happen, that we can bank on it, that, that it's 100% true, that, it, that it's assurance in that. We have faith in that. In verse 1, he says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In this, he he has one clear and simple idea in mind. Faith is banking your life, assurance, conviction on what is not possessed or realized at the moment where he says things hoped for or he says things not seen. See, this was important to the writer of Hebrews because he understood what was about to happen, the storm of persecution that was going to come down on the church. He knew that in order for them to survive, in order for them to thrive as the church or as believers, that they had to have a faith, a solid faith, a hope in God and God alone. See, what the writer understood or understands is that faith produces hope and that hope produces perseverance, right? Right? It draws us closer to God as we put more faith in Him, even though we can't see Him. It says we have assurance of things hoped for. We have conviction of things not seen. That the more we hope, the more we put faith in Him, the more we actually believe in God, that it draws us near to Him, that we actually grow closer to Him, that we can actually withstand the things that come. So in chapter 11, we see that He gives the many examples of different individuals. We don't have time to look into them all, but ordinary people that believed in God and trusted him with their lives. He talks about in verse three, he says, by faith, we understand that the universe is created by the word of God, that he spoke it into existence, that that God actually spoke and the universe happened, right? We believe that. We believe that God created everything, that it didn't just happen, In verse 4, he talks about Abel, and then he goes and talks about Enoch, and he talks about all these different people who had faith and believed in God, and things happened for them, right? But later on, right in the middle, he talks about a guy by the name of Noah, right? And if we know the story of Noah, God asked him to build this ginormous boat. 
He said, I'm going to send a flood and I want you to get all the animals and, and two by two, bring them into the ark and, and get your family in there. And people were probably laughing at him like, what are you doing? This thing is ginormous. Like, where are you going to float this thing, right? Noah had to have faith that what God was saying was true, that he would rescue him, that he would, that he would provide for him, right? Then he talks about Abraham. Abraham, we know he, he offered his son up. He had to sacrifice him. God called him to, to sacrifice his son, right? But it says that he knew the whole time that is, as he was drawing the knife back to sacrifice his son, he knew that if he actually did it, that God had the power to bring him back to life. That's faith, isn't it? That, that's a true faith. That's, that's believing in God who can do anything. See, faith is an orientation of trust on the word or promise of another. We have to believe it. And the reality is everyone has faith of some kind. Every one of us, we have a faith of some kind. We actually believe in something to deliver to us the things that we hope for. So we all believe in something, but the writer goes on in, in verse 6 to say, not only is having faith in God essential to know Him, but also faith is essential to actually pleasing God. It actually makes Him happy when we actually put faith in Him. When, when we believe in God, it actually pleases God, it says. Fundamentally, faith in God is believing two things. Believing He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him, as it says in verse 6. Seems pretty easy, right? Seems so basic to our understanding that we almost overlook it. But it's absolutely necessary. When we talk about faith in God, we, we must believe that God actually exists. And it's by faith or, or by believing that we get closer to God, that we draw near to Him. So faith in God, or in the existence of God, is essential for several reasons. For one, we can't see God. Nobody's seen God. We, we, we can't see him. It's not something that we can actually put our hand on and it's something that's right in front of us. We can't actually see God. So it asks for a measure of faith. As the Bible says, no one has ever seen God. In John chapter 1, verse 18. Secondly, the nature of God is that he is holy. And humanity is far from that. As God told Moses, Moses asked to, for, uh, to see him. He says this, you cannot see my face for, for man shall not see me and live. In Exodus thirty three twenty one. That if I, that if you were to see the face of God, you actually wouldn't live. So we can't see God. It takes a measure of faith and believe. Augustine, one of the early church theologians and, and pastors stated it this way. If you have not understood, I say, believe. For understanding is the recompense of faith. Therefore, seek not to understand so that you may believe, but believe so that you may understand. For unless you believe, you will not understand. Seems pretty easy. If you're going to pursue something or seek something, right, you actually have to believe that it exists, right? So if I'm going to pursue that, if I'm going to pursue to win a billion dollars in the lotto, right? 
I actually have to understand and know that it exists. I have to, to actually put faith in it, that there, are, there is a billion dollars for me to win so, so that I can actually pursue it, right? It's the same thing if I was going to go see the Grand Canyon. I actually have to believe that it exists before I can actually go and pursue it. In the same way, we have to believe that God exists if you're going to pursue or seek to possess something, you actually must believe or, or exercise faith that it exists. But here's the truth. I think many people say they believe that God exists, but they don't live as if he does. I think there's a lot of people in our culture today, that, that 80% of people that say, man, I, I believe that God exists but they don't actually live in a way that they believe that God exists. In fact, many professing Christians are that way. They don't seek to know God. They make zero effort to draw near to him or, or live in a way that is consistent with how he's revealed himself. The truth is, is if we believe that God exists, wouldn't that change the way we actually lived? Think about this. If we believe that the God of the universe, he spoke the universe into existence, he created all things just by his words. If we believe in that God, the God that created everything, that would blow my mind, right? It would cause me to actually live in a different way than I actually was. Instead, we act as if God doesn't exist. We, we go about our day-to-day -day lives for, for getting and living the way we want to. And, and I'm saying this to me too. There are a lot of times where actually I completely forget the actual weight and the urgency of what God has done for me. There are a lot of times where I walk through life and I'm like, man, I completely forgot that God actually sent his son to die for me. I take it for granted. But faith says that God exists. And then pursue seeking him. And the question I have is, are we people that pursue and seek God? Do we actually draw near to him? Do we actually seek him? Do we believe and have faith that he exists? And not just say it, but we actually do it. So believing in God is first of all, how we go about getting close to him. But, but faith is also the way in which we know God. Or said like this, belief in God is how we understand him. Belief in God is how we understand him. When we, when we say belief in God is how we understand him, there, there's a second part to just believing that he exists, right? We have faith that he exists, but we also have faith to understand who he actually is. We have to understand who he actually is. It's essential to actually properly conceive who God is. But the thing is, is that this isn't a blind faith. It's not, not something that we just kind of imagined up or, or we put up there on a whim. It's actually something that we, we have grounded truth in. So where do we look for actual understanding of who God is? We go to the Scripture, right? 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That it's actually breathed out by God. If we believe in God, then we have a, a belief in the Word, right? We understand that it's God's Word, the Bible. 
See, faith is both necessary and required for us to believe the Bible. Man, if we believe what the Bible says, then we'll really have Christian faith. We're trusting that the Bible is God-breathed, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. As we just read in 2 Timothy, all Scripture is breathed out by God, that it's God's Word. We're trusting that the Bible is true and faithful in all that it attests. As it says in Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And then we're trusting that the Bible is written so that we might believe and have life, as it says in John 20. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. See, the Bible is the written Word of God. So by believing it, by having faith in it, we understand the central person of the Bible. It's God, right? So what does the, what does the uh, Bible say about God? It's where God discloses and reveals himself. And we're just going to look at this very briefly because we could go into a deep theological study on this. But specifically, he tells us a profound mystery about himself. It tells us in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This was known as the Shema, right? The first part of a prayer that the people of God would actually, uh, they were called to daily recite or, or to proclaim. And it's starting... That there is, or it's stating that there is one true and living God, just one. We also see in 1 Corinthians 8, 4, through 6, or 4 and 6, Paul taught the Corinthian church, quoting the scripture, that there is one, or there is no God but one. And then he goes on and says, For us, there is one God. All of this is proclaiming that there is one true living God, that the, there's no other, that there's one, right? But then we look at Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That there are three distinct persons in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It can be confusing at times. And the truth is, it's a mystery, right? The mystery is that he is a unified, singular essence or, or nature, that exists eternally in three co-equal persons. That's the mystery of the Trinity. Again, we could preach a whole message on that. So understanding God, to know God requires faith. Believing God's revelation of himself in the Bible. And in the Bible, we find that God is revealed as one singular essence or nature, and that he exists in three distinct, co-equal, co-eternal persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone got that? Yeah. How can anybody make sense of all that? See, the key is that faith is essential, right? In order to, to understand that, in order to, to believe or, or to, to actually walk through some of these things that maybe are in the Bible and they're, they're real complex, there's a measure of faith. There's a measure of trust that we have to have. See, just because things are sometimes hard to understand or, or or super complex does not mean that they're not legitimate, does not mean that they're not true. See, there's a lot of things in this world that I don't understand. Airplanes. I mean, when I go travel, 
I get on the plane. I don't go to the pilot and say, hey, you know, I, I need to know all the details of this flight and I need to know how the air passes over the wings. I need to know the physics behind it. Like, how are we actually going to go and what speed do we need to reach and, and the science behind it? How do we take off? No. I get in my seat, strap my buckle and have faith that God's going to lift this hunk of metal off the ground and fly it through the sky. I don't understand the physics behind it. I don't understand all the things about it. But I do know that it gets me to the promised land. It'll take me on vacation, right? I don't understand all that happens with it or why. I don't understand the science or maybe the physics behind it. But See, to understand who God is, we have to come with faith to His Word, the Bible. If we don't believe the Bible we don't believe what it says about God, then we cannot and will not know God. See, it's by faith that we trust the words that are written, the written word of God. My question is, do we actually spend time in it? Do we trust it? Man, we don't always have to understand it because sometimes it's actually difficult, right? Sometimes we read and we're like, we don't understand it, but do we actually take this right here, do we open it, and do we actually try to understand it? Do we spend time in it? Because if this is the written word of God and we believe that God exists and we know that he exists, then we should actually look in his word to understand him, right? We should actually constantly be reading and studying to try to understand him because we are called to do that. We're not called to just say, well, we don't understand them, so we're not going to read it. No, we're all called to have a faith, to actually go and, and try to understand who God is. And so how much time do we actually spend in the Word of God trying to understand Him? Do we believe it? Do we have faith in it? How are we doing with it? Do we believe the Word of God? See, faith is essential to understand God and who He is. We've seen that faith is essential to know God, and faith is essential to understanding God, which leads us to the last point, that belief in God is how we enjoy Him. As we look back at Hebrews eleven six, 6, which we looked at, we're reminded that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please Him, and that we must believe that He exists, but there is also something that we must believe about God, Right? That he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who actually draw near to him. We actually have faith in him. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. He wants to reward us. We actually have faith and believe that God is good and that he wants to reward those who seek him and draw near to him that we can enjoy Him, that it pleases Him. And what does that look like? It says that He rewards us, right? What does that reward look like? Well, a reward is eternal life through Christ. That we get to spend eternity with Him. That one day we will stand before God face to face. We'll actually be able to see Him. And we'll get to spend eternity with him, that's the reward that God's grace and abundant love for us, it's life, it's salvation, it's eternal joy, it's himself. 
See, the gift or the reward is actually himself. If we affirm what Scripture says about God, then we see God as a good, faithful, gracious, merciful, loving Father and provider. And what, is it, what it does is it causes us to draw near to Him, to come to Him, to seek Him and live. And on the other side of that, if we don't believe, if we don't seek or draw near to Him, then we won't be able to partake in the reward that He actually provides for us, His love, His grace, eternal life. See, this is encouragement for our own faith when we see dark times or troubles coming our way, right? It gives us the opportunity to ask the question, will we trust the Lord when things come along that we don't understand, when things come along that are tough and we're walking through those, it actually gives us the opportunity to ask the question, will we trust the Lord? Do we believe that He's our good Father? Do we believe that He protects us, that He rewards us? Do we believe that? God's reward is that, he, that we're adopted into his family. He calls us sons and daughters, right? That we get adopted into the family of God. This is why faith is so essential. It's not that we did, nothing that we did or that we can do to save ourselves. Simply put, we can't get to an eternal reward by our own power or ability to to, to our own, right? We, we can't do anything. There's nothing that we can actually do to earn our salvation. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and what He did on the cross that we can experience that true reward. It's the gospel, right? It's understanding the gospel. It all comes back to that, that, that we understand that we sin, that God created us, that we sin, that we have a broken relationship with Him. And what did He do? He saw that and he loved us so much that he actually sent his son to come and live as a perfect human being. And he lived this perfect life knowing that he was going to go to the cross. And he went to the cross willingly and died for you and for me and for our sins so that we didn't have to pay the price because there was nothing that we could actually do. And then what happened? They put him in a grave and he actually defeated death. He defeated death and rose the third day and then he ascended into heaven and now he's there preparing a place for you and for me. And that is the reward that we actually get to experience the eternal life in Christ. Amen? That we actually get to experience that one day. No matter the troubles that we walk through, no matter the things that we go through here on earth, that one day we will experience the reward of Jesus that he gave us through his son. That we'll experience his son. We can experience salvation. All these blessings are here for us. But they're, they're only received through faith, right? It says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. And the question is, have we accepted the gift? It's a free gift. There's nothing that we have to do to earn it. It's a free gift. We just have to accept it. So the invitation for us today is to draw near to God in faith. And I don't know where you're at today. I'm going to close with this, but I always love ending with the gospel because I never want to think that there's not somebody in here that doesn't know Jesus. And the fact of the matter is, is that 
That's the first step, that we actually have to put our faith and trust in him and him alone. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I have actually never done that. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't even know what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. I've been coming here a long time and I've heard about it. Maybe you're brand new and you you never heard about it. But that's where it all starts, that we actually have to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross. And, and maybe for you today, you're sitting out there and you're like, I need to actually have a relationship with God. And I always throw this out there, but, but I, I want to throw it out again, that, that I would love to have that conversation with you. That I don't want you to leave here today without knowing him. That I'm going to be down front. If you want to come talk to me and, and we can pray together, whatever that looks like, our prayer team's down front, then maybe you want to just accept Christ today. That's the first step. Maybe for you today that you need to make a decision to start here. That you say, John, I, I, I have a relationship with God. I've accepted him, the free gift of salvation, but, but man, I, I don't walk through life like he exists. I don't live my life like he exists. I, the way I talk, the way I, the way I um, walk through life, the people that see me, they don't see Jesus. Maybe I don't spend enough time in the word to understand who God is. Maybe that's what you need to do. I don't know, for everyone, it might be something different. But I want to encourage you to pray and ask God, what does he have for you this morning and what do you need to change? Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for the word. Although sometimes... We don't understand everything. Sometimes it can be very complex. Sometimes, God, it can be kind of confusing. But God, you say that if we go to your word, that you're going to reveal things to us that we may not know. And we may not have all the answers. But God, help us to daily seek them. Father, for the one in here that may need to know you, I pray that today they wouldn't leave without knowing you, God, that they wouldn't leave without knowing what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Are we perfect? No. We're never going to be perfect. But God, we strive to be more like you. And we're going to mess up. We're going to fail. But God, you're always there to pick us up. You're always there with open arms to love us. And so God, I ask today that we would draw near to you. Even in my own life, God, that that I would draw near to you, that I would seek you, that I would truly understand what it means to believe that you exist, the God of the universe. That God, we would all go from here and seek you today. I pray all of this in your name. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.